You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we are we're going back to some of the reports that we are the type of reports that we started providing about this time last year. Uh, this is you know, the waterfowl hunting seasons are well underway across many parts of the U.S., certainly certainly the northern states. And as we get down into the mid latitude states, the hunting seasons are beginning to open. And also kind of coinciding with that time is when some of the states start conducting surveys, their aerial surveys to keep an eye on the number and progression of ducks moving through their states in key areas. And so this is one of those episodes. We're going to connect with one of our partners up in Illinois, Aaron Yetter, waterfowl ecologist with the Forbes Biological Station, part of the Illinois Natural History Survey. Uh, Aaron, thanks for joining us again here on the podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, we had you on a couple of times last year. And, you know, I learned a lot about your survey, how long it had been conducted and how frequently you conducted. It's, I think it's like a weekly survey. You, you can tell us about that here in a minute. But uh, we were here in early November and I know you've already conducted a few surveys uh, and I've been kind of keeping track of those numbers on your social media pages, but we thought it would be a good idea uh, given all of the developments that have, you know, kind of exciting developments that that happened over the past couple of weeks uh, with respect to some really cold weather coming down through the plains. And we wanted to connect with you all and see how your surveys were, were uh, what they were showing. So let's start out, Aaron. Um, you know, let's do a couple of things in sequence here. We have a few things to talk about. One, I want to back up and ask you about your teal season. Then I'll ask you about the kind of the survey design for a quick reminder of that. But let's just kind of back up and talk about your teal season, what y'all saw in that area. The first, uh, our, our surveys start uh, the first week of September. And um, right off the bat, we had uh, our peak numbers of blue and teal were here on that very first survey. I, I think I flew on September 2nd. Um, we've, we've had a drought in central Illinois for, or well, most of Illinois, I think, for all for at least the mid part of July on. And so uh, we had lots of mud flats. So habitat conditions were very conducive to blue wing and green wing teal. And we started, we started teal season with a bang. Did did the teal hanger? I'm trying to recall actually what type of weather we had uh, back during teal season. It feels like it's been so long ago. It seems like we had some fairly cold weather come through about midway of that early teal season. Did it? Did y'all see the effects of it? Did it push some birds out uh, that you may have had in there initially? Yeah, those teal got here early because of the some weather that happened in the prairies, and then uh, so we we started with big numbers in early September, and the and the blue wings bugged out pretty quick. We we did get some weather. I can't exactly remember when, um, but if, if the teal steadily declined, I, I fly four teal flights 
in September and they steadily declined um, on both rivers through through the through the four weeks were the hunting reports for teal in that region pretty good i know everyone i heard some pretty good reports from other parts of the mississippi and central flyways and that really wasn't unexpected given the uh, very positive wetland conditions uh, breeding conditions that we had in in north and south dakota and the number of blue wings that we think settled in those areas were, was did you get good reports for hunting good hunting success there in, in illinois yeah i i think think it was for the people that got out there and did it it was um they had to struggle you know the water was low which the teal like but it also makes it hard for the hunters to get out and about but i think the guys that did put in the effort i think they did uh do pretty well i spoke earlier in the summer with some people from south dakota and and they said there were more blueing teal than had seen in a decade out there and i know one of our one of our biologists was on the banding crew in the prairies this summer and and they banded a pile of blueing teal as well as the majority of the birds they banded were, were blueing well let's move on to talk about the the numbers the duck numbers as you saw kind of following teal season or as you got into uh i guess last month being october tell our listeners i guess if you could i think i mentioned already that we we had a fairly detailed discussion of this of your survey on a previous episode from last year maybe sometime in november of last year we had you on uh, so people can go back to that for a more extended coverage or description of your surveys but just for those that may be maybe joining for the first time maybe a thumbnail sketch of your survey where you fly it how you fly it uh, how you conduct it and just you know generally what are we talking about when we are saying aerial waterfowl surveys um, for our people that may not be familiar with that. Sure. Um, we've been flying the, the same survey design since 1948. Um, start the first week of September with four flights, and then we pick up, uh, we take a couple weeks off and pick up in mid-October, usually the, the week of the 12th. And we fly from Hennepin, which is the big bend of the Illinois River. Um, when it starts angling towards Chicago, we break it there. And we fly all the way down to uh, the confluence with the mist just above St. Louis. And then we fly up to Mississippi just uh, to just below the, the Quad Cities, um, uh, Davenport, Iowa, Rock Island, Illinois. And then we head back across uh, to back to Hennepin. And so you are an observer in these planes. It's a small aircraft and you have a pilot. And is it just one observer or do you have another observer in the back seat? Uh, no, it's just me, uh, me and my pilot, um, and we we fly a traditional cruise-style survey, not a transect survey. So I've we just fly around these big wetlands, floodplain lakes, in the in the river valleys, and and do a big circle around them as many times as I need until I until I'm comfortable with the number and the species composition. And just to kind of clarify for any of our status, statistically inclined folks that may be listening in, whenever we are talking about crew surveys, we're not talking about a survey for, for which the results can be extrapolated to an area beyond where the survey is conducted. Uh, so just want to want to point that out when we talk about these numbers it's going to reflect the what what Aaron has has counted on the sites where the survey is conducted you know not across the the landscape beyond that so just to just to point that out and i i guess Aaron let's talk about what you started to see in late october we're here in the uh, the first full week of november and i want to get to the most current results here in here in a bit but um, you know, the exciting time was late October. We had a 
really strong cold front, series of cold fronts come out of the prairies. And, uh, you know, the the waterfowling world was a buzz with discussion of birds moving all throughout the central Mississippi flyways. And so I want to get your report, uh, your report from, from that week. What did y'all see move in? And did it seem, did you see an early movement of a large number of birds into your area? Yeah, we did. Um, all the non-miler dabblers, basically the pintails and the, the early season migrants, um, pintails and shovelers and gadwall really piled in. Um, the, we flew the 21st of October that week and our numbers were, I guess they were right, right on average for that for that week of October, we had 200,000 in the uh, Illinois Illinois Valley, um, but most of those were were pintail and gadwall and shovelers. Okay, and so that would yeah, that would have been a couple of weeks ago. Did you see an increase in the number of birds there uh, between the uh, to the next week? What would have been like October 27th or 26th when you would have flown the next survey? Yeah, we flew the 27th and we jumped about to just under 300,000. In the Illinois Valley, the, um, we didn't get all of the Mississippi uh, that week um, because a, a fog was there. I think there was a hurricane kind of threw some stuff up our way and, and it was too foggy down on the, or the clouds were too low down at St. Louis. So we couldn't get all the way down, but we got all of the Illinois that week. And um, that's when we had had some, some of the, uh, those pintails and gadwall and shoveler uh, started to get out of here already. Uh, so some of those birds already started moving out with that cold when that cold weather started coming down. That's interesting. Uh, not not necessarily unexpected, I guess, but uh, you would probably like to see them stick around for a little bit longer. Did were those numbers even in late October? Uh, in line with averages, you know, I think the expectation would have been for it to have been above average, kind of given the severity of that winter weather. But uh, but what did you see relative to the averages long term? That week, the Illinois, on, so October 28th, the Illinois had 271,000 uh, birds and the average is 278. So we were right at right at average. You would have thought we would have uh, maybe had more, but I think we st- we already had birds that were heading farther south and so um we were we were losing them as we were getting new birds in i think that makes me want to ask you how habitat conditions were during those last two weeks of october uh were were they in pretty good shape i know i've seen some reports out of missouri from that time period where a, a good chunk of the state was in in drought condition how was how was the area where you surveyed uh and did uh did it was it dry or just what were the habitat conditions like? It's been dry. Illinois has been in a, in a drought um, too. The, the Illinois River fell out. Um, water levels uh, decreased substantially in late by late July. And we had uh, a really, really good growing season for moist soil vegetation in the, in the Illinois River Valley and the Mississippi River Valley. Um, and everything looks really good. Even, even today, everything looks good as far as food wise. Our problem is that we're still in that drought and we have many of our areas are struggling to get water, uh, back on the vegetation so that it can provide habitat for them. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. 
Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Aaron, let's just go ahead and move into what you saw this week. When did you conduct this survey this week and how did the numbers compare uh, this week to uh, what you saw last week? So this week I flew on Tuesday, um, the third, and I had really good numbers um, that for the first week of November, it jumps, the average jumps another 100,000 to approaching 375,000 birds in the Illinois Valley and 370,000 birds in the, in the Mississippi uh, Valley. Um, So good, good numbers right on average still. But um, what happened was the, the central zone of Illinois. So such a long state North and South that we have four different zones that uh, are duck season or hunters uh, hunting seasons for ducks um, in four different zones. And so uh, our central zone here opened on October 24th and we had a really good couple days, the first couple days as expected. And even into Monday and Tuesday, the 26th, I think we had a, a little push of birds in and then Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, there was another pretty good um, bump of birds that came in um, indicated by uh, what the hunters are telling me on flight days and that type of thing. But then since then, it's been kind of stagnant. Um, might've had a little bit of a bump of birds on, on Monday of this week, Sunday and Monday of this week. But, uh, but right now, the last several days, everybody's complaining because the weather is 75 degrees during the day. They're blue birders with, with no wind and weather. Yeah, that's the that's the part that we haven't mentioned yet. We're recording this episode on November 5th. So just a couple of days after you would have flown the survey. And I think we're going to be releasing it, um, releasing this episode the week of November uh, what would that be? November 9th, I think is going to be next Monday. Um, so we'll just kind of keep that in mind when we're talking about these things. It's warm up there right now. And, the, you know, the other thing that I wanted to, wanted to mention, I've alluded to it already, is that I believe Missouri, as of right now, the season in Missouri is closed. I saw a report this morning from uh, Andy Radke, Dr. Andy Radke, the waterfowl biologist over there. And he they reported good numbers of birds in their state. Uh, you know, actually, I guess the finer point on that is my reading of his report is that relative to the long-term average, the numbers that they have right now are in line with the long-term average. But if, if he made the assumption that these birds would have arrived, let's say last week, and then he compared them to some of their long-term late October numbers, then what they see would be ahead of schedule, you might say, uh, higher than than average for for late October had most of these birds arrived uh, last week. And that would be a reflection of, it could be a couple of things, a reflection of the cold weather uh, moving that migration southward, but then also maybe some effect of hunting disturbance on the Illinois side. Does that, do you kind of think about that when you're interpreting some of your numbers, Aaron? It, it absolutely makes a difference. Um, so you know Missouri, we we got I got right at average numbers for the for the Mississippi River um, now, and Missouri's not even open. So once Missouri opens, um, once their duck season opens, it'll force all those birds that are scattered about into the refuges. So I, my numbers next week should be even higher for the for the Lower Mississippi. 
Um, and you're right. I agree with Andy that most of the duck, the big duck clubs down below from Quincy to St. Louis, um, they've been, they've been jumping up and down uh, for three or four weeks now because they've had lots of, lots of birds way ahead of schedule. Yeah. I was speaking with someone earlier this week who hunts in Missouri and they have a, a small club over there and they were chomping at the bits, chomping at the bit in order to, to, to get out and hunt. Like, man, I wish our season would have been open last week. They estimated, you know, t- tens of thousands of birds on their, on their club. But uh, I asked him, well, what's the status like right now? I was like, well, we probably lost about 75% of those, you know? And so, you know, maybe a week too late. And so that's, this is one of those times a year where when you get a, a strong migration south and then it warms up, uh, you, you were saying that you've got temperatures right now in the 70s. How, are these birds moving back north to try to exploit some of the habitats that they may have had to overfly or that they chose to overfly? And I don't know if we have a really good read on that. We, we do have some, some of our partner researchers out across the landscape that have a few um, ducks radio marked with some radio transmitters. So at some point, we'll be able to piece all this together and look at these real fine scale movements. Do you have any insight on that? The, you know, the, the common term is reverse migration. Do you, do you get that a lot in your discussions, Aaron? And how do you respond to it? How real and how strong of a phenomenon do you think that is this time of year? No, I believe it happens. I, I think it happens more with mallards uh, later in the year, but it, it, it very well could happen with uh, with the pintails and stuff. Um, I actually had more num- larger numbers of pintail this week than we had last week, so it could be um, a reverse migration, or it could have been just that push that came in late late last week um, that, that added birds. Um, I, this week I had... Uh, pool 19 numbers on the Mississippi River. I had a 24,000 24, scop showed up. So a uh, pretty big jump for of scop on pool 19 from the previous week. Um, today you talk about reverse migration. It's hard to tell from the birds that are that you see flying around, but I saw white-fronted geese flying I don't know, a mile high today, flying back north. So they were flying north. Um, whether that was reverse migration or they were just going somewhere to feed, I don't know, but they were really high. And, you know, white fronts are a species for which we actually do. There are a couple of studies going on right now where we've got some of these GPS collars um, out attached to some of these birds. And, and there are some pretty remarkable observations revealed or some movements revealed from those, from those birds. And it, you know, it just, it makes you wonder what are they, what are they responding to and what are they seeking? Are they, are they these just sort of exploratory flights? And so maybe one day we'll have one of those researchers on to talk about that and they can perhaps speculate based on the movements they're seeing, where these birds go, uh, where they're going in response to these kind of warm-up events and then how long they stay once they go on these flights. So certainly interesting to, to talk about. We do. We have uh, some transmitters, cellular transmitters on wood ducks and um, three of those now have took off. Um, one's in, one's just outside of Austin, Texas. Um, one is just went down into the boot hill of Missouri. And I, I think we have two down around uh, Poplar Bluff area in Missouri. Austin, Texas. That bird, it's been in a, he's kind of a, or she's an anomaly. We banded it here uh, at Havana a year ago and it went down 
into Mississippi or Louisiana, spent the winter down there, came back up to about 30 miles from where we banded it. And it apparently tried to nest because it was in a bottomland forest for quite a while. And then it, we think it failed its nest and it took off and it went up to St. Cloud, Minnesota and molted on a little wetland. Didn't move around much for 30 days. And then about a week ago or two weeks ago, it took off from St. Cloud, Minnesota and went to Oklahoma. And then just two days ago, it went to Austin, Texas. The the hazardous part of these conversations is that occasionally we get on these topics, this type of discussion, and it makes me want to, it makes me want to ask about a dozen more questions. And one of these days I will, but I'm going to resist that urge right now. I don't want to keep you too long, Aaron, but uh, I had forgotten about some of the work that y'all are doing there with wood ducks and that you have these GPS transmitters on them. So I'm going to get you back on the, on the, on the phone here at some point in the near future. And we're going to talk in more detail about that because, you know, wood duck migration from some of these Northern breeding areas is 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 a pretty common question. It's like, you know, how far do they go? Is their migration different from uh, some of the other prairie nesting birds? And you're a, you're a great person to talk about that because you've done a ton of work with wood ducks. That's uh, one of the staple birds there in Illinois. And, you know, you can't, you can't talk about Illinois Natural History Survey, Forbes Biological Station, without thinking about Frank Belrose and all the fantastic work over the years that he's done for for wood ducks. So, I know that's one of your areas of expertise. So, I want that. I think that'll be a fascinating topic in itself. And uh, so, I'll resist the urge to ask you all the dozen questions that are right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> and let me let me just ask you: Is there any other observation that you want to share that you think the the people listening to this would like to would be interested in relative to what you've seen on the survey? Uh, what you saw on the survey this week, whether it be habitat related, uh, any kind of a, a unexpected number of birds of a certain species or any reports about hunting success, anything of that nature? Uh, hunting success for the first week was was really good from October 24th until now. And the north zone of Illinois, they came in the week prior, so like October 17th. And I, I think they had a good opener as well, or maybe two weeks. Um, but now with this weather, Everything is is stagnant and uh, it's it's just slow. Everybody's kind of complaining now. A week ago, I think probably on that that Monday, like the twenty sixth of October, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, in there, the I think we got a push of trumpeter swans. Um, started seeing trumpeter swans just below Quincy, and then here in Havana, or I. I, I say they're trumpeters. There could be some tundras too from the airplane. I can't tell the difference, but I know from ground reports that they're they're saying the trumpeters started arriving and uh, started picking those up on the survey as well. So, Aaron, I'm looking I'm looking at a weather forecast here for Havana, Illinois. Again, remembering that we're having this conversation on November 5th, but I look out to next Monday the 9th when I think people will be listening to this episode, and your high temperatures are still forecast to be around 75. It does then, however, look like you're going to get some rain on and some cooler temperatures on Tuesday. I'm not going to say cold temperatures, uh, but it looks like it's going to be cooler. Uh, hopefully, the weather, the meteor Meteorologists are a bit wrong in that, and then maybe the whatever's coming south of there, coming towards you, will be a bit uh, a bit stronger than what they're projecting. Move some of the uh, bigger birds that are perhaps still farther up north uh, into your area. That's projected right there around Veterans Day, and that's um, that's oftentimes a, a major disturbance in in Illinois weather in the upper Midwest. 
uh, usually get something pretty good about Veterans Day. It's not going to be quite as cold. Last year, I think it was, it might have been like 16 degrees on, we froze on Veterans Day last year. We thawed back out by Thanksgiving, but we froze uh, then. Uh, we're not going to freeze this year unless they really miss that weather report, but you're right. We're supposed to get a little bit of uh, different weather by then. We're Everybody's anxiously awaiting that rain on next Tuesday. You saying that about Veterans Day reminded me that, in fact, that was, I, I do recall that now. That was part of our conversation. We had you on sometime shortly after Veterans Day to talk about what was happening. So, yeah, um, the, the timing is, is similar here from year to year. So, well, okay, Aaron, I think I think that's going to do it. Tell folks uh, the Facebook page where they can follow your aerial waterfowl in- inventory reports. So I try to write a, a, a blog on the waterfowl survey every week. It's uh, on Facebook, um, the Forbes Biological Station page. Um, I also post that blog on my on the bellrose.org aerial survey page as well. But yeah, you can go in and, and read some. Sometimes I get uh, weekly followings of 100,000. Sometimes it's a couple thousand, depending on how many uh um, how good a picture I, I get to put up there on, on the post. Good deal. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I'm going to let you go and get back to the rest of your day. But uh, yes, thank you for all the work that y'all continue to do up there, all the, the surveys and the, the data that you get from those. And thanks for being willing to share those with us here on the podcast. Sure thing. Thank you very much. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Aaron Yetter, waterfowl ecologist with the Forbes Biological Station at the uh, Illinois Natural History Survey. As always, we thank our producer, Clay Baird, our very own digital warrior for the great work that he does on these podcasts. And then, of course, to you, the listeners, we thank you for your time and we thank you for spending with us. We thank you for your interest in the podcast and for your support, passion and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.